And now we open the scriptures to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the final verses, the conclusion of the matter. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the bodies. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Thank you, Ellie. Uh, I don't know about you, but can you believe we've made it <laughs> to the end of Ecclesiastes? Uh, I wasn't sure we'd get there when we started out. Not sure what I thought would happen, but anyway, we've, we've made it. Uh, it's good, and now we get the bottom line on this book. Um, and yet, even still in this conclusion, there is a lot of important detail. And so keep your Bibles open. Uh, we're going to work through it, and we're going to unpack it all together and hopefully get, I guess, the final handle um, on this very complicated book. And every year we, um, we have the same holiday as a family. Every year we pack up all our gear, which seems to multiply every year. Uh, and we head off for, on our road trip to the East Coast for our 10 nights camping at Coles Bay. I've done it every year of my life. Uh, and every year it seems to start the same. There's the frustration of packing. It's always hot when you're packing. It's always annoying. You know, have we got everything we need? What about this? Where's this? Why is that broken? We haven't bought that. Do we really need all of this junk? Then there's the long drive, uh, blessed by all the worst drivers in the state. They all seem to come out when I take to the road, uh, including the cream of the crop from the mainland, of course. Then the roads are busy. Then there's, are we there yet? She's hitting me. I'm hungry. I feel so good. Why are we not there? I'm so bored. When are we going to be there? And on it goes. <laughs> Three and a half hours. I know that's not very long by mainland standards, but it's long enough. You know what it's like, the first hour, the first hour is all right, you know, you're still a bit amped up, you're finally on the road, it's exciting. The second hour, everyone's getting a bit tired, uh, and the third hour is just like, plug the ears and plough on, you know, <laughs> why don't we just camp in East Olveston like everyone else? <laughs> but then, just, just when that frustration is, you know, getting to breaking point and Dad's going to lose the plot, you get halfway down the Coles Bay Road, and I, I don't know if you've ever driven the Coles Bay Road, but but you get halfway down it and you, you turn this corner and all of a sudden there's the hazards, you know, the, the iconic Coles Bay skyline, all the mountains in all their glory and, and all of a sudden you can smell the ocean, you can, you can feel the warmth and you can see the, the beautiful water and it, it's, it's just, it all washes away, it's, it's, it's stunning. And in that moment you, you remember, this is why... <laughs> This is why we do all of that stuff. This is, this is why we, we go through all of that trial. Because of here. You know, ar arriving, reaching that destination, that makes the journey make sense, doesn't it? And so it is with Ecclesiastes. We have walked the journey. It's been difficult and weird and confusing. And this is why. 
the destination makes sense of it all. We've walked quite the road with the teacher, haven't we? We've been with him through the, the painful and uh, often difficult travels of his life. We've, we've gone alongside him as he's searched and strived for, for something in this world, for, for meaning and purpose and substance, for something that's good and wonderful. We've, we've been with him. We've walked alongside as he's led us through riches and achievement and glory and sex and money and power. We've, we've been next to him as he's investigated work and religion and wisdom and folly. We've been alongside as he's observed the injustice of this world, the, the chaos, the randomness of this life. We've been there as he's shown us, you know, the unrelenting rolling on of the seasons, the inevitable creep of time that cruels us all. We've been there as he's assessed youth and old age and even death itself. We've journeyed with him through it all. And now the destination. His work is done. And now the editor comes in and, and doesn't take over, doesn't re, reshape or anything like that. The editor comes in and puts the full stop on this book, puts the exclamation mark and the conclusion to this journey and to everything the teacher has seen. We, we have arrived. <laughs> what a relief. And this destination makes sense of the very long journey that we've taken together. We're going to unpack it this morning first thing that the editor does is just remind us of the ongoing place that wisdom has in our lives. He says, the teacher's given us a great gift here, so let's, let's celebrate it. Look, look how he describes it in verse 9 and 10. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. And what he wrote was upright and true. <laughs> See, not only was the teacher really, really smart, but he could tell people what he was learning. He wasn't just smart and incomprehensible, but smart and teaching. And it, it's, it's a beautiful summary, isn't it? You know, Ecclesiastes has got some dark moments, but overall the editor says, there's good stuff here. The teacher's done well. He's helped us. He's served us. Um, that one of the words here is, is literally what he's written is a delight. It's good for us. This is useful and important, what is being gathered together in this book. And not just important, the editor says. The editor says these words, they really matter for us. It's there in verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. <laughs> it's a bit of an, a bit of an odd picture, an odd way to describe this book, but it's actually really helpful. Uh, goads, goads are used to help uh, animals, draft animals, keep moving. You know, th there's a sting there, uh, sometimes they're, they're sharply applied, but they keep things rolling on, they guide down the right path. And so it is with wisdom, the editor says, wisdom keeps us travelling down life's path, it keeps us moving ahead, positively, steering and guiding us. Wisdom is like firmly embedded nails, he says. Um, I mean, that's a kind of an odd picture, but imagine the opposite. Imagine something that's loose that keeps falling out. Uh, one of the wheels on Rufus's bassinet at the moment keeps falling off every time you move it, and it's so frustrating. It, you can't rely on it. You can't use it as you, as you need to. And the, the, the editor is saying wisdom isn't like that. Wisdom is, is held together. It's, it's strong and it's firm. 
It's dependable, it won't fall apart. In fact, it helps us build a solid life, a dependable life that's held together well. That's what we have in Ecclesiastes. Teaching and instruction and guidance to move through life well, to live confidently and keep pushing forwards. That is quite a gift, isn't it? That's a remarkable thing to have. And it's a remarkable thing to attribute to one man, isn't it? I mean, we know the teacher isn't perfect. <laughs> We've seen him. He's even said as much. He's, he's an absolute hedonist at times. He's, he's done all sorts of things. How can we say that all his words are that? Well, we can say it because it's not just the teacher here, is it? At the end of verse 11 there, we're told, it's given by one shepherd. That seems a bit weird, doesn't it? Because we know who the teacher is. We know the teacher is a king. We know the teacher is one of the wise men. We know the teacher was a billionaire or a gazillionaire, if you, if you believe his words. So a shepherd? <laughs> but it makes more sense when you start to understand it's not talking about him there, is it? In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you start to realise that the shepherd in Israelite thinking isn't a man. Now, instead, the shepherd of God's people is God. That's why if you've got the new NIV, you'll see in the footnotes, it's, it's capitalised. In some versions, it's just capitalised in the main text. It's talking about God here. See, the editor is saying that the teacher has gathered all this stuff. The teacher has put together this book for us. He's, he's written all these words, and they're good, and they're useful, and they're helpful. But they're good and useful and helpful not because the teacher was this genius who figured it all out. They're good because God is speaking through him. He wrote what God spoke. Ecclesiastes is God's wisdom. It's not just a collection of wise things that people have said over the time. This is God speaking to us. In fact, that's why it's good, because it's of God. That's why it's useful, because it comes from Him. Uh, nine years ago, we moved to Geelong uh, to study at Bible College. It's a pretty big move for us, uh, even though we didn't have kids at the time, but it was the first time either of us have lived out of, out of Tassie, so it was, you know, it, was a, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, and one of the things that was freaking us out about the move was driving on the mainland. I mean, we kind of build this thing up, you know, driving on the mainland as if it's uh, like the worst thing ever. And particularly Melbourne, you know, Melbourne, like the nightmare of a city. And this was, of course, before smart smartphones were affordable or even that smart. Um, and so we thought, well, we don't, won't buy a, what were they called? A Melway. We won't buy a Melway. They're always out of date. Uh, we'll buy a GPS. And so we did, we bought a GPS, we couldn't afford a really flash one, we had to buy a cheaper, older one, but, you know, that'll do, how dumb could it be? Uh, we arrived in Melbourne uh, off the boat, you know, terrible night's sleep under a table because we're too stingy to buy a cabin. Uh, up at 5am, not in great shape, let's be honest, not feeling too crash hot and really hungry. So we thought, let's get some food, we'll drive into the city. Melbourne CBD, there's got to be food in the city. Here's the thing, though, with GPSs. GPSs rely on satellites, uh, and satellites require a line of sight to the sky, which is challenging in the CBD, where you can't see the sky. And so we're driving, first time, very, very tired, very, very hungry, just doing circles through the CBD. Nowhere to park, nowhere to eat, 
can't figure out how to get anywhere because it's one way and hook turns. Like, what is a hook turn? <laughs> how do you go? You go left to turn, what? <laughs> and of course, the stupid GPS, no signal. <laughs> it thinks we're over in Geelong. It thinks we're over here and it thinks, no clue. I have, oh, look, I've got to confess, words were said. <laughs> Frustrations were high. The editor says, wisdom is our GPS. In fact, wisdom is God's GPS, except it works. It actually works. And it's far better than a GPS because it's not mindless, it's not indifferent to us. Wisdom is God's GPS. It is God's guidance to us, given to us as a gift to help us move through life in a positive and confident way, to help us keep going forwards, knowing that the path ahead of us is a good path. And actually, actually we can know that. We can be 100% confident that the path wisdom leads us on is good. How can we be that confident? Because we know the one who guides us. We know the shepherd who's leading us here. Here's what he says. I am the good shepherd. That's what Jesus announced in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who loves his sheep, who cares for his sheep, who deliberately leads his sheep to good and safe and fruitful places. How do we know that? Because he said it. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what he said. Our GPS never died for us. It did die because of us. Not long after that trip, actually. It didn't care for us. It didn't love us. We couldn't be confident of its guiding. But Jesus does care for us. Jesus does love us. And so we can be confident of his guiding. Because in fact he loved us so much that in order to rescue us as his sheep from a path of destruction caused by our own foolishness and disobedience to God, to rescue us from that, he laid down his life for us. Dying to save us. Dying to forgive us and to reset us on a good path. A good path that is the path of life. I give them eternal life. That's what he goes on to say about his sheep. I give them eternal life. His wisdom is good because he leads to life. And not just life now, but life forever. So listen and trust and follow in Jesus, through Ecclesiastes, we have wisdom to chart a good path through this life, a meaningful path even, despite the confusion and chaos of the world all around us. In this book, we have, we have goads to, to keep us, to keep us from the empty pursuit of, of trying to find meaning in, in fruitless places, to, to keep us on the, the right path, reminding us that sex and money and power and all those things that the world chases, all of those things are empty. We have goads reminding us that time captures up to us, that this world can't satisfy, so stop chasing what can't be found here and look to God instead. We have nails here, firmly fixed, reminding us that God has given us everything good we need for life, everything that we could ever want, reminding us that our joy is to be found in Him, that, that He's given us fullness in Him and through His Son. Not a meaningless life, but an utterly fulfilled life, delighting in Him. 
a place where we can rest. So listen to his voice. Follow his wisdom. And use this wisdom to guide you, to to test the false paths that the world will put ahead of you, to lead you on the right path, to move forward confidently and well, no matter what comes. But of course, all of this precludes, or all of this assumes, a person who has right standing before God, a person who's in right relationship with Him and already on that path of following. Because that, as the editor reminds us, that is where wisdom is grounded. That's where wisdom starts and where wisdom rests. We don't need to look anywhere else. That's what he says in verse 12. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Uh, Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Um, I wonder what the teacher or even the editor would say uh, if he knew that there were thousands of books written on Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Surely he would see the, I I think he would see the humour in that, if not the irony. There are thousands of books. I think I've read several thousand pages just trying to understand Ecclesiastes. And I will testify with the editor, much study wearies the body. But the editor says, you don't have to keep looking. You don't have to keep searching. Don't fruitlessly and endlessly pursue wisdom. Because here is where wisdom starts. Here is where it rests. Here's the conclusion, verse 13 and 14. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Wisdom is grounded upon or rests on the fear of God and therefore from that, obedience to God. Fearing Him, because as we're told in verse 14, He is the judge of all things. The righteous judge, but the judge nonetheless. Wisdom is grounded in, right living is grounded in, fear. That might seem a strange idea, um, but think about, think about when you start a new job. Okay, you start a new job, you're in a new workplace. Um, first day, you, you, you get the tour, don't you? You, know, you get shown around. And what's the, the, the first thing or the, the highlight of the tour that you get at your new workplace? Uh, where, does it, where does it start or at least go quickly to? Well, it's always the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's the most dangerous thing in that workplace. That's, that's kind of the highlight. That's where they take you, isn't it? Uh, for me, first day working at the bar, um, yes, I know, not a very dangerous workplace you would expect, but there is something to be wary of there, straight to the keg room. You wouldn't think of that as being dangerous, but people have been killed and severely injured changing kegs. So what do you do? You get the rundown. Don't do this. Be careful of this. Respect this. It's dangerous. Know it. Because if you're going to work well, if you're going to be a good employee, you need to know the risks of that workplace. You need to know what the dangers are. That's your starting point. And the editor's saying the same is true with wisdom. If you're going to use it well, if you're going to live well, know the risks, know the dangers. And here is the key of them all. Fear God. Fear God, because he is the judge of the world. 
He is the one who will call into account every deed that has ever been done. And that is a fear-worthy thing, isn't it? Just, just stop and think about that for a moment. It is utterly fear-worthy. I mean, it's, it, we, don't, we don't like being called to account in our workplaces. I mean, if we got called to court, we'd be terrified of that, you know, having to stand before a judge. But imagine then standing in the heavenly court before an infinitely righteous and powerful God. You know, a being that we can't even begin to map our, uh, wrap our minds around. Imagine standing before him and being judged for everything you have ever said and done. You know, I mean, can, can, can you imagine all of your deeds, known or unknown, good or bad, being brought out into the open and laid bare? Can you imagine them all revealed? You know, this is your life, but it's not the highlights. It's everything. Everything you've said, everything you've thought, everything you've done, your hidden motives behind them all, laid out for all to see. <laughs> it's a nightmare, isn't it? So how is this? How is wisdom resting on that? How is it possibly a delight? How is it good for us? Well, it's good because of what we heard before. It's good because it comes from a good shepherd. A shepherd who loves us despite knowing everything about us. You see, that, that day when God does judge, when he lays everything out, it's not because he's discovering it. <laughs> he knows it already. He, he lays out everyone's deeds in order to demonstrate not only his justice, but his mercy. He shows that. He shows what he knows about you already. Loving you still. That's our good shepherd. Who loves us despite all that he knows. Who cares even though our greatest offences were against him. And who lays down his life as a sacrifice to save us from them. Because the good shepherd, you know, to mix, to mix the metaphor, the good shepherd is also the sacrificial lamb. It's kind of a weird thing to, way to think about it, but that's what we're told, isn't it? He is the good shepherd, but earlier in John, in John chapter 1, we're told he's also the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is, who bears in himself our sins, the things that we've done that deserve wrath and destruction and death, who takes them on himself and dies. So that wayward sheep, foolish sheep like us, can live. See, this day of judgment, that should terrify us. That should shake us to our core. But it needn't. It needn't because Jesus has already taken it all. It's like walking through an area that's recently had a bushfire. I remember years back, uh, driving through Denali, you know, after they had all those awful fires down there, driving through that area just a couple of months ago. And you, you can't help but just marvel, can you? you know, driving through that, at, at what's happened, at the, the fury of the flames and the destruction that it's caused. You know, you, there's buildings that are just in utter rubble, the, you know, the sheet metal that's been twisted and, and reshaped, the trees are just stripped bare and black, you know, there's cars that are melted and tarmac that is, that's been just oozing off the road, that the heat and the fury of that fire is, it's, it's utterly horrific, isn't it? It's a scary thing to see. But you don't drive through that area fearing that fire, do you? 
I mean, you stand in awe, but not in fear, because it's already been. It's already passed. And so too with God. So too with His judgment. Because if you are in Jesus, then that fire is already burnt through. He was there. He faced it. He bore it in all its fury, in all its devastation. And He took it so that you can come after and not fear that any longer, but simply marvel at what He has been through for you and stand in awe. In fact, now, knowing that we who are in Jesus won't face that judgment and wrath, now, knowing that, the truth of its coming becomes an encouragement for us. Because we know that once we're in Jesus, that's been passed for us. But it is still yet to be applied to the rest of the world. We know one day God will judge everything that remains. He's judged our sins in Jesus and he will still judge and make right everything in this world that's still wrong. And that encourages us. Because as the teacher's shown us, when we walk through life, even following God's ways, we meet all sorts of awful and terrible things. We meet injustices and frustrations and hardships. And he's saying wisdom isn't some magic path that, you know, zigzags through life and dodges them all. That's not how it works. You will encounter them still. And that's where we need this. Because we encounter them knowing God will deal with them. This is a promise God will deal with, will, will bring reckoning to all that dismays us. Everything that terrifies, everything that grieves, it will be sorted. He knows it. And he will bring it to its right end. Everything you meet in life that's unfair, that's broken, that needlessly and mindlessly hurts, it won't last forever. That's the promise here. There is a full stop on all of those things and God will righteously and justly bring it about. And knowing that helps us live, doesn't it? I mean, flip it on its head for a moment. Imagine if that wasn't the case. Imagine if those things would just go on and never be brought to account. You know, if evil and brokenness and injustice had no expiry date, how devastating would that be? Knowing that all that's wrong will never be called to account. It, it would be crushing, wouldn't it? But that is not the case. God will judge. We are freed from that judgment in Jesus. He has borne it already, but he will make right the wrongs of this world. And we can hope in that. There is a better day ahead. A day when God will bring it all to account. So do you want to live well? I'm not going to assume that you do. <laughs> Heed the words of the teacher. Listen to his instruction, not simply as the voice of a man, but as the voice of Jesus, your good shepherd who has laid down his life for you. Heed his guidance. Let it keep you from what would wound you. Let it lead you to what is good for you. Test your life. Test the world around you by it and trust him. His wisdom is at times odd. <laughs> it, it, it leads us on some strange paths. Some paths that may feel uncomfortable in the context of this world. And yet, his wisdom is best for us. Know that in it, however strange it feels, he is good for us. He's caring and loving for us. And start by fearing God. 
in awe-filled obedience, marvelling at his love and goodness to you in Jesus that he has lavished upon you, delighting to do his will and confident that the judgment that you deserve is taken once for all. Confident that the evil that afflicts and wounds will be dealt by him. So be glad to live and live well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we stop and consider this book in its entirety and consider what it teaches us of us, of you, we are staggered by your goodness to us. Father, we are so undeserving and yet you are so gracious. You've given us Jesus, your beloved only son, as our good shepherd who guides us and leads us, who loves us so much as to lay his life down for us, to rescue us, to bear our judgment, to free us from him, from fear. Father, we praise you for him. And we thank you that in him we are given this amazing gift of wisdom to live by, wisdom that saves us from fruitlessly pursuing what this world can't give to us, that saves us from an aimless, meaningless life, and instead gives us in him life itself and a path knowing this world and finding fullness in it through him. Father, help us to follow him gladly. Help us to live wisely and well in a way that honours you and glorifies you. We pray this in his name. Amen.